You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. All right, well, why don't you just come and grab a seat again as we welcome our speaker for this morning. Uh, I'd love you to put your hands together and encourage and welcome Anthony to the stage. <laughs> welcome. Anthony is uh, one of my fa- genuinely one of my favorite people. <laughs> I love you dearly, and you're such a gift to our church. So excited for you. And you are a man of prayer as well, and um, thrilled to have you bring God's word this morning. Let me pray for you before Please. you share. Father God, we thank you so much for the words Anthony has been praying over and preparing uh, this week, Lord, and previous weeks. God, thank you that you are going to speak this morning. Yes, and I pray, God, as Anthony just pours out himself, God, for you and for our church, God, would you pour into him. God, our, our, our eyes and our ears are open to what you want to say to us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Prepare our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless him. Fill him. Amen. 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 Thanks, Josh. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Like Josh said, my name is Anthony Mekako, and it's my great privilege and honor to be bringing the word to us today. Amen. Um, We've been members of this church for about one year now, and um, I serve in the welcome team. I'm married to Mercy. Mercy was up here singing, and she's part of the worship team, and we have three children who are hiding at the top of that thing, in case Daddy makes a mess of himself. Anyway, it's, it's so great, and um, you know, I heard a man of God say, the greatest gift he has ever received, it's not millions of dollars he's been given, it's a gift of trust that God would trust me and the leadership would trust me to come stand here and speak before God's people. So I'm very grateful. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you to the leadership. Amen. Praise God. So we are continuing on our theme, um, the series we started this um, uh, summer. And if you've not been, the series on prayer where we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. And if you've not caught up with any of those messages, please feel free to go to our podcast website, YouTube, and, and listen to them there. It's just great. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Today we are um, looking at verse 12 um, in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to verse 13. And in verse 12, the Bible says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Amen. So our focus today is on the subject of prayer and forgiveness. Praise God. You know, we live in a world that that is not perfect. We live in a world where there are so many ills and And just look at social media, so little forgiveness, so little grace. You know, there is a tirade of abuse, of criticisms, of, you know, cancel culture. You are my hero today, tomorrow you are my zero. And look at Premier League leaders, you know, uh, or or managers. They are invited into the Premier League. Hey, the greatest thing to come to UK after sliced bread. And then after seven games, if things are not going well, chuck them out. You know, it's like Jesus Christ, you are the greatest of all things. Hosanna be to God in the highest. Blessed are you who comes in the name of the Lord. Two days later, crucify him. You know, people have been driven to depression and despair, even suicide, because of all the critical things, the critical nature, the way people abuse them, the unforgiving culture in the world today. But what if, what if we ask the church we're to model a counterculture. 
What if me and you were to go out there to our homes, our streets, our schools, our places of work with a different culture, with a culture of grace and forgiveness? What kind of light will that bring to our dark world? Praise God. You know, whenever we talk about forgiveness, for some people who are here this morning or listening to us, you know, the topic of forgiveness can be very difficult because maybe you have been through some really hard times. Maybe you've been abused, you've been ridiculed, looked down upon, tossed aside. Maybe by someone whom you love, maybe a partner, a spouse, maybe your parents, maybe your co-workers, your boss treats you like a piece of dung. And sometimes it's hard for you to, to let go of that feeling. Today is not a guilt trip, okay? It's not about making anybody feel guilty. It's an invitation, an invitation to freedom, an invitation to go on a journey that may be long, that may be hard, that may be very difficult, but it's an invitation to come on that journey with God. And that if we accept the grace of God, the grace that God provides, I can tell you it's a journey that will ultimately lead to freedom and healing and peace. Amen. In our discussion today, we're going to be looking at some things about forgiveness. By the time we finish, you should have looked at the why forgiveness, the what is forgiveness, the who to forgive, and probably how to practice forgiveness. Amen. So forgiveness is a real key part of effective praying, and that's why Jesus Christ included it in this prayer. At this point in the prayer, we are petitioning God for our needs. And in order to come to God with confidence and in faith, we have to have that boldness to stand before God. If we have unconfessed sins in our lives or we are holding unforgiveness against people, then sometimes we don't have that freedom to really come before God because we are feeling um, guilty before God. I'll give you an example. If you have a boss and your boss tells you to do something, a very important job, and you fail to do it, and then you are behind bad-mouthing your boss, who does he or she think he is just coming to tell me on a Friday evening to get that thing ready by Monday morning, you know? And your boss is aware that you're bad-mouthing them, and they're aware that you haven't done your job. Even if your boss has won Boss of the County Award for the last three years, how many of you will have the confidence to go meet the boss and say, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about my pay. Let, let's, let's do me a favor, you know. I'm not due for labor. Just do... Not because your boss is evil, but because your conscience pricks you because you are not in right standing with your boss. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 21 and verse 22, in the Amplified Classic, we read, and beloved, if our consciences, our hearts do not accuse us, if they do not make us feel guilty and condemn us, we have confidence, complete assurance and boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask. So that standing in right, being in the right standing with God gives you confidence and assurance to approach God in prayer, amen? In addition, there's a quite a very strong link between forgiveness and walking in love. And we know that the Bible says in Galatians 5, 6, that faith works by love. Faith works through love. And so where there is no love, your faith isn't going to work. And so your prayer is not going to be effective because you have no faith. You're not confident before God. And even when you come to pray, you have no faith because your conscience condemns you. Praise the Lord. So 
We should forgive. Why forgive? Because it makes us have a good standing before our God, and it gives us confidence that we are walking in love. So what is forgiveness? You know, there's a lot of confusion and misconception about what forgiveness is, principally what forgiveness is not, and sometimes that holds us and prevents us from living a life of forgiveness. So I'm just going to quickly run through some things that forgiveness is not. Amen? Forgiveness does not mean that person's action was okay. Forgiveness does not mean they've done well. You know, no. Do you remember the woman who was caught in adultery and brought before Christ in John chapter 8? The people wanted to stone him. And after they left, God, Jesus Christ said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. He didn't say, I don't condemn you. Adultery is fine, okay? But I'm not going to condemn you. He called it sin. He said sin no more. He was not endorsing that, and yet he forgave him. Number two, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to forget it or that you should reconcile with the person. And the devil has held us in bondage over this matter because we've all heard of forgive and forget, right? But how many times is it easy, is it possible to forget what someone did to us? And the devil tells us you can't forget what that person did, therefore you can't really forgive them. Or you have forgiven someone and the enemy says because you have not forgotten it, you haven't forgiven them. No, forgiveness does not literally mean forgetting. Forgiveness means choosing not to remember. And there is a difference between forgetting and choosing not to remember. Choosing not to let it hurt you anymore. Choosing not to count it against them. That's what forgiveness is all about. And it's an act of faith. Praise the Lord. It takes two people to reconcile and for trust to be rebuilt. If I forgive you and you're not willing to work with me, then I don't have to reconcile. God does not demand reconciliation. He demands forgiveness. Praise the Lord. So that's important. Number three, forgiveness is not a feeling. You know, people say, I don't feel like forgiving. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's an act of the will. It's an act of faith. When the apostles came to meet Jesus Christ and they said, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? And Jesus Christ said, even if he sins against you seven times in one day, you should forgive him. You know the next thing they said? Lord, increase our faith. Because it can be very hard to keep forgiving someone the same thing over and over. But Jesus Christ did not say, if you feel like, forgive. He said, no, you do it. And he said, Lord, increase our faith. Praise the Lord. Forgiveness does not necessarily require an apology. Okay, yes. While it is important that if I offend you, I apologize to you, I apologize to God... I should not withhold forgiveness just because the person has not apologized. Do you remember when Jesus Christ was being crucified on the cross? How many of those soldiers apologized to him? Not a one, thank you. But what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. When Stephen was being stoned in Acts chapter seven, not a one apologized to him, but he still said, Father, do not hold this charge against them. Praise the Lord. So let's forget about those misconceptions and let's look at forgiveness for what it is. There's a practical definition that I saw somewhere that I like, and it says forgiveness is a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards someone who has hurt you regardless of whether or not they deserve it. There are some key phrases here. Deliberate or intentional decision. I make a deliberate decision to release that feeling, to release those feelings, whether or not they deserve it. 
It doesn't matter whether the person deserves it, but I release the feelings. Amen? So by the grace of God, let's attempt to look at this passage. There are two parts of this passage. There is God's part, which is forgive us our sins or our debt, and there is our part as we forgive those who sin against us. So let's just look at God's part. It says, forgive us our sins. Now, God is a loving father, and he continuously forgives our sins. There are so many scriptures that talk about a God who is, who is slow to anger, who forgives our iniquities. In Psalm 103, you know that. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Do not forget his benefits. And he goes on to list his benefits. The first thing he says, who forgives all your iniquities. Who forgives how many? All your iniquities. That's the God we serve. He's a merciful God. Praise the Lord. I like this in some in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, in the New Living International Version. He says, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Scarlet is bright red. Bright red. And God, and, and you know, I read and I checked an online dictionary to look at the definition of scarlet. It actually may give an example using the word sin. And he said, in respect of sin, a scarlet sin is a flagrantly offensive act. Flagrantly offensive. Flagrantly is a big word, okay? He said, but I checked it. It means shockingly obvious. Something that is shockingly obvious. So what God is saying to me and to you this morning, my brother, my sister, is that even if our sins are shockingly and obviously offensive, let us settle this matter. I will forgive you if you come ask for forgiveness. That is the God we serve. That is the God we serve. And remember, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So it doesn't really matter what I've done or what you've done. If we confess our sins, God will forgive us. That is his part. How many of you know about King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the greatest king Israel ever had? In 2 Samuel chapter 11, David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba was somebody's wife. David was supposed to have gone to war. He didn't go. He abdicated his responsibility that God had given him. In the evening, he went up to the top of his house. I don't know, he was tired of watching movies or listening to whatever. I just went up to stretch. And then he looked and, Mama Mia, what's that? And he saw a lady who was having a bath. Or why the lady was having a bath outside, I cannot explain. But anyway, <laughs> he saw the lady having a bath. And he lusted after her, okay? He abdicated his responsibility, he lusted after her, he sent for her, committed adultery with her. She got pregnant, he tried to hide it, ended up killing the husband of that woman. So here is a man who failed to do his duty, who lusted after a married woman, who committed adultery, who killed the husband of the woman. The man didn't even challenge him. And yet, do you know what God said about him in Acts chapter Chapter 3, he said, he said, um, 13, Acts 13, he said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. After he repented, if you read Psalm, Psalm 51, that was his prayer of repentance. How can God find this man a man after his own heart? Because that's the God you serve. That's the God I serve. There is someone who needs to hear that today. Your sin is not too big for God to forgive, amen? 
our part is forgive us as our sins as we have sinned against them. He said, and for, as we forgive those who sin against us. That's a difficult phrase. While it may be easy to for, receive forgiveness, not always, it's a bit more difficult to give out forgiveness, especially to somebody who has hurt you badly. But Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, when you stand praying, forgive. So who should we forgive? We are to forgive those who offend us, amen? We live in an imperfect world. In, in, in Luke chapter 17, verse one, Jesus said to the apostles, it's impossible but of, that offenses will come. Offense, neglect, abuse, betrayal, disappointment, lies, gossip, every evil thing can be done against you. But guess what? We also can do the same things against people. But God says in Colossians chapter three, I'll read verse 13, New Living Translation, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Make allowance and forgive. To make allowance is to give room. You know, if it takes you, how many of you have traveled with children, you know, so you are rushing to the airport and you're running, trying to get checked in and the son, your son is saying, dad, can we buy an ice cream? Come on, no. Can, we, can I use the toilet? No, pee on the, in, on the plane. You know, you, you, you are irritated or you are running late for something. Somebody's coming there and you're driving slowly like that. You're going, come on, move. <laughs> but if you make allowance and you have, you've gone through security, there is still at least one hour to boarding time, and your son says, I want ice cream. The only thing that will irritate you is if you don't have the money to buy the ice cream. But you don't get irritated, you're not angry. You know, if somebody's driving slowly, oh, well, don't worry, we have time. I want to pee, yeah, let's go to the toilet. If you make allowance for somebody's error, you will be like that father, that parent, who has gone to the airport early. You won't get irritated. So, I forgive in advance. When I was commuting to work from Harrogate to one and a half hours every morning to, to hall, wake up in the morning feeling grumpy and you're going and then you find some people whose sole responsibility in life is to drive their car at 30 miles an hour on a 60 mile per hour road and you can't overtake them. So you are going, you know. But if you've forgiven in advance, when wants to come, you just smile. Praise God. Make allowance. Amen. Who are we to forgive? We are to forgive ourselves. Sometimes, there may be one or two people here now, you're feeling so bad because of the sin you've committed. You're feeling so bad because maybe it's a recurring sin. You keep falling into the same mistake and you feel that you are not worth it. The devil loves that and he wants to keep you in bondage. But I want you to know that God has forgiven you and he has settled the matter. No matter how obviously, shockingly bad the sin is. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, God said, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. You say, can it be that simple? It can be that simple. Why? Because it's not because of what you have done. It's because of what God has already done. Because of what Jesus has already done on the cross. Is it that simple? Yes. In fact, it's as simple as ABC. Always believe Christ. If you always believe Christ, you will not feel so guilty because he has forgiven you. He said it on the cross, it is finished. It's as simple as I made another one up, A, B, C, D. Always be conscious. Devil is the enemy, A, B, C, D, E. The devil is the enemy. God is not the enemy. Amen? 
So it's that simple. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ said, it is finished. Who are we to forgive? We are to forgive God. Huh? Forgive God? It seems so ridiculous. How can I not forgive God? There are people who feel bad with God. We may not be arrogant enough to say, God, you are a bad God. But in our hearts, we feel bad. Maybe because we have prayed and the answer is not coming. You may be here struggling with a health condition for which you have believed God, you've prayed. Even people who are new Christians. Um, Sister Liz came up here to tell us how even though she prayed for somebody, she didn't even have faith. Even when the person was having faith, she didn't have faith. You see, she didn't have faith, yet the boy got healed. I have faith, yet I'm not getting healed. God is unfair. And sometimes we are offended with God. Let us forgive God. God is not an evil God. It is the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Always be conscious, devil, enemy, A, B, C, D, E, okay? The devil comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Jesus Christ came to give us life and to give us life in abundance. Praise the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you, good plans, not to give for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Praise the Lord. So how are we, can we practice forgiveness? And there is no secret formula that makes forgiveness easy or without pain or without faith. God has done it, but there's still an outward working of it. Lisa Tekos, she's a lady who, she's a speaker and a New York Times bestselling author. She wrote a book called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And this is what she said in that book. Forgiveness is not made possible only by our determination. Forgiveness is made possible by our cooperation with what God has already done for us and what God has already done in us. God has forgiven us our sins so we can forgive others. God has put his nature in us, his Holy Spirit in us, so we can live like Jesus. So we are not depending on our strength. We are depending on the grace. We are drawing from the abundance that God has put in us. Amen? So we can act in this. So when it comes to forgiveness, to offense, do these four things by God's grace. Remember, the greater one is in you. Jesus Christ who dwells in you and in me is bigger than the devil. Jesus Christ who dwells in me and in you is bigger than that hurt. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to you. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Okay? So don't do this in your strength. Do this in God. Four things. Two stops, two starts. Two stops, two starts. Number one, stop the conception the conception of something is like when something, you know, you have some pregnant people here today, you got conceived when one seed met another seed. It's the beginning of life or the beginning of an idea. And as you nurture that seed, as you nurture it, as you give it life, it grows for good or for bad. Offenses often come like a small thing someone says or does to you. You can either forget about it there or you deal with it immediately in a godly way. But you can also decide to go back and stew over it. Think about it. Rehearse it in your mind. Share it with your friend. Can you imagine what they did? Put it on social media and get vitriolic comments about it. And then you get angry and suddenly you are burning. Stop the conception before it starts. Say to yourself, no, no, no. I'm not doing that. Sometimes I hear Mercy or um, Esther or one of the children just say, no, no. And say, what is it? So I know that they are connecting with something. 
No, I'm not doing that. It might be an offense. It might be unbelief, whatever it is. Amen? Number two, stop. Stop the justification. To justify something is to, is to excuse it, to say it's all right. In God's eye, there is really no good reason for a New Testament believer to harbor unforgiveness. No good reason. It's hard. It's painful. But think about this. If I justify something, then I won't, I won't, I won't think it's wrong. I would feel that it's okay. Amen? Uh, God's word is our standard, not our own citizen's right. Doesn't mean you should accept anything or any offense or anything, but it means that you should look at everything with the eyes of God's perspective. WWJD. What will Jesus do? Think about that. God says unforgiveness is wrong, therefore we must not justify unforgiveness. What you justify, you will not judge. You won't judge it. And what you do not judge, you will not condemn. I will not condemn. What I do not condemn, I will condone. I will accept it. And what I condone could very well condemn me. So let's not, let's not justify sin. Let's condemn unforgiveness. Praise the Lord. And quickly, do you know that the story in, in Luke chapter 18 where Jesus Christ talked about the tax collector and the Pharisee who both came to pray? The tax collector couldn't look up, beat his chest. Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Pharisee came and said, the Bible says he prayed with himself, with himself, so not even to God. He said, I am not like other men. I am not like that Pharisee. I fast twice a week. I give tithes on everything. I serve on the compassion ministry on a Thursday. I am always here on a Monday evening to pray. I sometimes come up to read the announcement. I am, don't you know me? Why? Because he compared himself with the other man, rather than comparing himself with God's commandment of love, Jesus Christ said he went away not justified. The tax collector just was justified. So brethren, don't compare yourself with man. If you compare yourself with your neighbor, you will be justified. Compare yourself with God. What does God's word say? Amen? So stop the conception, stop the justification. Two starts. Start praying for the offender. Prayer changes things and it changes people. Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. And as you pray for somebody, you begin to love the person. And suddenly the, the annoyance that person is generating stops. It, it becomes less. So let's pray. Second start. Let's start acting in love towards that offender. Do something good for someone who has offended you. If you have the opportunity, do good to those who hurt you. Romans chapter 12, 17 to verse 20. I'll just read parts of it. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, verse 18, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, do not take revenge. Verse 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, prepare him a meal and drive all the way to Stafford to feed him. If he's thirsty, go out to the foyer, get a nice cold drink and give it to him. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of fire on their head. I'll end with this true story. Can you put up that picture? This is 
for some of us, this picture may mean nothing. It's a black young man hugging a white woman. She's a white woman, believe me, okay? A black young man hugging a white woman. That black man's name is Brant Jean, and the woman, Amber Geiger. Amber was a Dallas police officer. In 2018, she finished her work, drove to her apartment building, parked her car, went into the apartment, and she saw a black man eating ice cream and watching TV. Bad combination, ice cream and TV. <laughs> Makes your belly grow big. So, <laughs> got in there, saw this black man, and she pulled out her gun and shot him in the chest, killed him. It turns out that she entered into the wrong apartment. She said she thought it was her apartment, and she killed this 26-year-old accountant who was watching TV and enjoying ice cream. She was taken to court and she was sentenced to 10 years imprisonment. After the, after the sentencing, this young man, Brandt, the younger brother of, of um, Botham who was killed, came up and gave a victim impact statement. He said, I am a Christian and I forgive you. I love you as a person and I don't wish anything bad on you. And then he made a request, is it possible for me to hug her? And the judge said, go ahead. And he went there and hugged the woman who killed his brother. People were crying in court and the judge herself got up, went down to the woman, hugged her and gave her a Bible. That is forgiveness. Forgiveness is not strictly speaking for the benefit of the offender. I'm finishing now but for the benefit of the one who is offering forgiveness. Unforgiveness stops us from receiving from God. It's like I'm holding on to the past and therefore I'm unable to grasp the future that God is giving to me because I'm holding on to unforgiveness. In Africa and in Brazil, I learned this when I was back home in Africa, monkeys, um, farmers and and um, hunters can catch monkeys alive with a very simple trick. They get a bottle, a bottle that you can see through with a narrow neck. They put some knots into the bottle and they tie the bottle to a tree. The monkey comes in, puts his hand into the bottle and grabs the knots. So long as that monkey is holding onto the knots, it can't get his hand out of that bottle. If it releases the knots, it will get its hand out the monkey will stay there shouting and screaming as the hunter comes to catch it because it will not let go of that. I had a monkey when I was caught in um, Mercy, a pet monkey. When they hold the food, the only way you can let them let go of that food is by offering them more food. And when they, can't, when they, can't, when they have no more capacity to hold all the rest of the food, then they will leave that one. They don't let go of the food they have. Let us not be monkeys today. Let us not let the devil catch us with his simple trap by holding on to unforgiveness. I heard Joyce Meyer say something that I believe has now been attributed to Nelson Mandela. He said, resentment or unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill your enemy. The same Nelson Mandela, who was the first black president of South Africa, 
He spent 27 years in prison for rebelling against or revolting, protesting against apartheid. Maybe there were other things there. After he was released, he made this statement. As I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. If you hold somebody, if I hold somebody in unforgiveness, I have given that person authority over me to hold me bound. Are they worth it? Is it worth me not receiving my own forgiveness from God? Is it worth me not having confidence in prayer? Is it worth me not receiving my prayers answered? Let's bow down our heads. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.